Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the second season of Criminalia. This season we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious stalkers throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. And while our first season was all about women poisoners, season two, all about stalkers. And today, we are going to talk about a teenage stalker who stole the young Queen Victoria's underwear. <laughs> and as that intro suggests, especially because we're laughing about it, this particular stalker story has the distinction of being definitely more odd than it does scary. Absolutely. So first... Let's set our scene. So this is 19th century England during the Victorian era, which is generally considered to be about 1837 to 1901, which is the life of Queen Victoria. Uh, But give or take a few years on each end. It was a period of time when there was rapid development and change happening. Victoria came to the throne in 1837 at the age of 18 as Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. All accounts say that she was stout and considered dowdy, and although she wasn't 
actually even five feet tall, she succeeded in projecting herself to be much larger. Her reign lasted 63 years and seven months. She was the record holder until current Queen Elizabeth II. And Victoria's reign began at a time of the world's first industrial revolution. This was a time of great change for obviously the industrial, but also the political, scientific, and military sectors within the United Kingdom. This is also a time when the British Empire became the first global industrial power and produced much of the world's coal, iron, steel, and textiles. During this time, the UK changed from an agricultural country to an industrialized one. And while that was good for the middle class, a lot of people continued to suffer from deep poverty. This is also a time that gets a lot of valid discussion about colonization and the expanding of empire by taking over other people's lands. It's a strange time where development is going on and a lot of bad things are happening in the name of that development. There were harsh factory conditions. There was unsafe housing. There was really bad sanitation. And along with all of this, of course, was excessive drinking. Women were also in the workplace, which some people saw as a moral problem. Oh, yes. (laughs) This was a problem. There was also a decline in religious fervor at this time. Right. So in 1840, two to three years after her reign began, Victoria married Prince Albert, who happened to be her first cousin. Uh, But I'm going to leave it at that. Victoria, who was deeply in love, was the one who proposed to Albert. And during their 17 years of marriage, they had nine children. Um, In fact, also at this time in Great Britain, as well as elsewhere in Europe and in the United States, the idea that marriage should be based in romantic love rather than for money or another strategic reason that you can come up with. Um, Romantic love was gaining popularity. Victoria also helped cement that idea, right? She was in many ways a trendsetter, right? The idea of the white wedding dress kind of starts Goes back to her, yep. We should also point out that she, in terms of social and royal mores at the time, she had to be the one to propose. Albert could not propose to her because she was of higher station than him, which would have been just not okay. (laughs) (laughs) At all. (laughs) So it was the time of things that were more exciting than marrying for money in royal babies, though. It was also the time of Charles Dickens and Charles Darwin and Florence Nightingale and the steam-powered locomotive and the first telegraph and telephone This was a really exciting time to be alive. We talk about our technological age and things moving so quickly. That felt like this to a lot of people where they were just like, do you mean I can talk to somebody who is far away? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, I think, what was it? The Penny Black? Is that what it was called? The very first, like, penny postage stamp also happened during Victoria's reign. Like, you you could connect with people in ways that you could never have connected before. And it's in this time period that Edward Jones, or as the newspapers nicknamed him, the Boy Jones, was born in London sometime around 1824. Uh, His father was a tailor and his family was very poor. But by the time that Edward Jones was 14 years old, he had become the first celebrity stalker. So this all started in 1838 when Jones was overheard bragging to his employer about walking through Buckingham Palace. 
but no one believed that he had done this or that he would do this. The very thought of a commoner just strolling through the palace was absolutely absurd. It would be like me going, Maria, yesterday I was on the moon. It was cool. Like, <laughs> it was that level of just ridiculous to the hearer. Right. I'm going to go back this weekend. Like, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. I go to the moon all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> But here's the thing, as absurd as it sounded, between 1838 and 1841, Jones did break into Buckingham Palace way more than once. He was good at it. Way more than once. It was like he he just walked in the front door at the end of it. He's like, hey, I'm here. (laughs) Oh, that kid's back. Right, right. We know him. He's been here 102 times. So... We're going to start at the beginning. The story of the boy Jones has been, over the years, basically pieced together using newspaper reports from the first years of Victoria's reign. And the first time that he entered Buckingham Palace in 1838, he did it with a disguise. He disguised himself as a chimney sweeper. And history tells us that Jones was not a particularly good-looking gent. He's described as having a wide mouth and a low brow and not really um, super good about bathing regularly. Not some good hygiene there. (laughs) Right? So word is that he thought he wouldn't stand out dressed as a chimney sweep. And that apparently worked because he got in, but the visit ended for the fictitious chimney sweep when he was seen by a porter and chased out and then was captured by the authorities. And when they captured him, they found that he had the queen's underwear hidden in his pants. (laughs) I have questions because if you look at pantalettes from this era, right, it's... Not like a pair of underwear today. Right? It's like he had like bloomers shoved down his pants. Right? It's like fabric. Even the way they're cut is not straight cut the way we would have pants today. They had a lot of extra fabric at the back to allow movement. But it would have been probably a very, very delicate, thin, really beautiful material. So he may have been able to wad it up quite tiny. Maybe. Could it have been like a silk or something? No. Not for her. Probably not. It probably would have been a really, really nice high grade cotton or even maybe linen. Don't quote me on this. I didn't prep. Um, Maybe they knew that he had them in his pants because there was a large bulge coming from like around his knees. (laughs) Right. But I mean, keep in mind the whole reason for undergarments, it was to keep your clothes from getting soiled and to keep them beautiful. So they had to be things that could be washed. That's why something like a silk would probably not have been it. Right, right. So... This trial, though, (laughs) after the debacle of the underpants, was kind of treated like a joke because it is as silly as it sounds. The debacle of the underpants. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the movie that we make about Boy Jones, the debacle of the underpants. (laughs) And his defense referred to the event as, quote, youthful folly and not for any felonious purpose. And it was kind of laughed at just as we are. And so Jones was ultimately acquitted because no one took it seriously. Sure. They had a 14-year-old boy who, like, scaled the wall and came into the palace. For one time, that single time, I can see taking it as a joke. But the problem became that Jones kept going back to the palace. (laughs) Uh, He stole food from the kitchen. He was caught sitting on the throne twice. He slept in a servant's bed. He read the queen's private letters. And at some point... Jones also managed to make off with a portrait of the queen, a regimental sword, a letter, three pairs of trousers, and a collection of linens. (laughs) 
Does he have um, big pants? Like, is that <laughs> maybe this is the answer to the problem for a portrait. <laughs> a portrait of the queen. He was actually a tiny, tiny person that was disguised as a six foot tall person. So he had lots of extra room and some stilts with some space. All right. He just walked out with it over his own face. He's like, this yeah. is my face portrait. Yeah. Sure. sure. But with all of these amazing feats, of break-ins and theft, the boy Jones became a media celebrity. So with that, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what was up with palace security at this time. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, -day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older <laughs> in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie, and it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. 
The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back to Criminalia. All right, let's get to talking about just how easy it was to scale the walls of Buckingham Palace in the 19th century. Today, the Queen's Guard is responsible for guarding Buckingham Palace and St. James Palace in London. There are heat sensors that surround the palace as well as CCTV. The grounds are patrolled 24 hours a day by armed guards. And yet, people still attempt to break in or scale the gates. And occasionally they do. But security at the time we're talking about was nothing like it is now. It was not at that level. It was notoriously loose and unorganized during Victoria's reign. She was the first royal to live in Buckingham Palace, and no one headed up palace security at the time. Part of the problem was that in many cases, each task of the household was managed by a separate entity. And in cases where those tasks overlapped, they were not always under the same supervisory umbrella. Maria and I had been talking earlier about sort of the infamous problem of the people who wash the outside of the windows and the people who wash the inside of the windows would not coordinate their schedules, so there was never really a clean window. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't just security, but it was a lot of things in the palace that were operating in this sort of strange, genteel sort of chaos. And anyone and everyone, from vagrants to the casually curious, were known to jump the walls in the Victorian era, and pretty easily so. And there was a great deal of fascination when it came to the new queen. When her uncle, King William IV, died, he left her as a new monarch, and she was less than a month past her 18th birthday. Uh, She had been raised in a very, very sheltered and protective manner by her mother, the Duchess of Kent, and her mother's advisor, Sir John Conroy. Victoria's entire childhood and the years leading up to her reign were spent under Conroy and the Duchess's system of very strict rules, which they called the Kensington system. Public appearances of the princess had been carefully managed by the adult duo, and as a consequence, the general excitement over a new monarch was overlaid with intense curiosity about the teenager who was on the throne. Yeah, people really didn't feel like they knew that much about her, because even though there had been things published about her, she was still this sort of weird enigma that had been kept away from them. Right, now you could see her. Yes, she is real. Um, She was described as being frightened as a young queen because of Jones. And Victoria actually wrote in her journal after the time that the boy Jones was removed from underneath a piece of furniture, quote, If he had come into my bedroom, how frightened I would have been. But honestly, with the number of times that he got in, it kind of doesn't necessarily seem like he was stalking the queen, but more like he was stalking the palace. But then he kept taking her stuff. So Yeah. You <laughs> um, know, 
There's that. (laughs) And we should also point out, like, he was not the only one. Throughout Victoria's reign, there were, of course, more stalkers. We don't know a certain number. There have been various ones bandied about. There were also attempts on her life. It was kind of all of the unfortunate side of what it meant to be a monarch. Also, it, it wasn't the missing linens that the palace was so worried about. Initially... They were they were more fearful that Jones might hurt or even assassinate the queen or maybe kidnap the princess royal. The monarchy wanted to get rid of Jones at any cost. So what the palace was really, really worried about was that the boy Jones may have seen things when he roamed the halls and he may have overheard things. They weren't sure if he was privy to the secrets of the throne or the government. Uh, They were determined to keep him quiet and to create a large distance between him and the palace. Yet, still, he kept coming. And he became a little bit of a folk hero. Uh, His palace capers became the subject of songs and poems. They were also written up all the time in salacious newspapers. There was so much speculation about what he had really seen inside the palace. And exactly what the palace was trying to avoid was all of this. Whether those stories were true or not, they did not want it to be in the press. They did not want speculation about what might be going on. Here's the thing. It does not appear that the boy Jones ever gossiped about what he saw on these little escapades. Even though he claimed early on during his break-ins when he would be taken into custody that he had intended to tell the world what he saw, but he never really did. He just kind of mucked about quietly and often dozed off. So, again, this time in December 1840, The boy Jones was discovered in the palace. Um, This time, he was discovered underneath a sofa in the room that was adjacent to the queen's private bedroom. And this time, he was arrested. And this time, he was sentenced to three months in a house of correction. Here's the thing about Jones and the palace. Just 10 days after he was released, he went back to the palace. And he was found wandering in one of the royal apartments he was eventually caught by palace guards and found himself back in front of the jury. And this time, he was sentenced to three months of hard labor at Tothill Fields Prison. The Leicester Herald reported, quote, It would appear that there is now no doubt but the account given by Jones, difficult as it is to believe anything, he says, <laughs> as to his having affected his entrance into the palace by scaling the garden wall from Constitution Hill, and then passing through one of the French windows which opens onto the lawn is correct. It is said that some of the windows were broken and that other marks of suspicious nature were observable near the spot. Having once gained the inside of the building, the lad, from his recollection of the various staircases and passages, would find perhaps but little difficulty in reaching the apartment in which he was afterwards arrested. (laughs) So after his release from hard labor in prison, Jones was yet again caught wandering around Buckingham Palace. Um, (laughs) I feel like every paragraph from now on should just just start with that. Uh, So this time, back at the palace, actually, uh, instead of a charge or trial, he was sent to do duty as a sailor in the Royal Navy, which he did for, they say, more than five years. Jones served on the HMS Warspite, the HMS Inconstant, and the HMS Harlequin. 
A year later, he finally got a chance to escape from his ship in Portsmouth and got himself to London. However, no longer to anyone's surprise, you can guess where he was caught loitering. (laughs) In the vicinity of Buckingham Palace, and he was immediately sent back to his ship. The last mention of the Boy Jones in the media was in 1844, and that was when he was rescued after going overboard, presumably to swim back to London and get to the palace, in the waters between Tunis and Algiers. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was planning to swim because there was one account that said that he walked himself to London after he got off the ship. Now, it was not a good source, you know, but still the idea of the walking and the swimming to get it back to London. It just would not surprise me. It, it fits, right? Like it, it fits. So there's actually another version that we should talk about. Um, the second version of this story uh, regarding Jones's time in the Navy actually doesn't have the Navy in it whatsoever. There's a version of the story that suggests he was invited to join the Royal Navy in an effort to get him at sea and far away from the palace. And in this version, Jones refused to deploy. So the monarchy kidnapped him and deported him to Brazil. And in this scenario, he was kept on board a prison ship for about five to six years without any official charge or trial, and never getting close enough to the shore to plan an escape. We're going to have a quick break now, and when we get back, we're going to talk about how Jones ended up in Australia. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought 
in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back to Criminalia. So now, let's talk about Edward Jones in Australia. Yeah, so during this time in the Victorian era, I think it's fairly common knowledge that convicts and other people deemed unsavory were frequently deported from Great Britain to the penal colony that was then Australia. And after his time in the Navy or aboard that prison ship, whichever you believe, Jones was deported to Australia. And there he is said to have sold pies and generally kind of just tried to keep a low profile and lead something akin to a normal life. And for years, in both the UK and Australia, people are said to have followed him around shouting, there's the boy who went to visit the Queen. (laughs) Well, he did. (laughs) It's a true statement. So in the 1880s, as a grown man who wished to return to being an unknown man, Edward Jones changed his name to Thomas Jones. Uh, Jones did eventually become an alcoholic and possibly also a burglar. When he decided he'd return to England, his brother persuaded him to go back to Australia, which he did, and he became the town crier in Perth. He died in 1893 in Australia um, when he was drunk and he had fallen off the Mitchell River Bridge, and he landed, unfortunately, on his head. So unlike what the stalker profile that today's FBI suggests, Jones never thought that he and the Queen were destined to be together He didn't want to kill her. He's been described by modern historians as a, quote, very weird character and a very solitary man who, apart from his visits to Queen Victoria's palace, wasn't particularly interested in women. But what he did want to do was he wanted to sit on the throne. He wanted to read her books. He wanted to go through her things. And in general, he wanted to enter the palace, but really not to see Victoria or her new baby or anyone who worked or lived there. And that's what he did, mostly. Um, he, He gained access through some pretty simple methods, including security breaches like unlocked doors or unshuttered windows on the ground floor. And once he got inside, he did things like sit on the throne. He hid under the queen's sofa and he stole her underwear. I would give a kajillion dollars to just find out what he was thinking during any of this. (laughs) As he's laying under the sofa, he's like, how am I going to get out of here? (laughs) Right? Like, is he like, yeah, I'm in the palace. Or like, why do I keep doing this? (laughs) He was caught on the premises three times, and he admitted that he had been in the palace a fourth time. And today, historians believe that he likely entered Buckingham Palace many other times that he just never got caught. And the thing is, he didn't always feel compelled to steal things every time he made a visit. So it's really hard to track him because the records of like, oh, something's missing might not always reflect whether or not he had been there. Right. Sometimes you just need to sit on the throne. Like, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm going to sit on the throne. I'm going to the moon. (laughs) I'm going to the moon. (laughs) So this all makes the boy Jones 
the first celebrity stalker on record. Um, but he was certainly not the only potential threat to Queen Victoria at this time, and certainly not the only intruder to Buckingham Palace. In fact, unwelcome guests still to this day try to break into the palace, probably on a daily basis, I would say. I mean, they've got a lot of security. During the summer of 1838, for example, to look at some of these historical other instances, that puts this right at the same time as when the boy Jones started his series of forays into the palace. There was a silversmith named Thomas Flower who was found sleeping in a chair outside Queen Victoria's bedroom. He was known about Buckingham Palace as one of the Queen's unrelenting admirers, and he ended up being sent to prison for gaining entry into the palace. See, the boy Jones doesn't know how good he has it. Right? So there's one more interesting uh, Buckingham Palace intrusion story, but it's not during the Victorian period. It's during a more modern era. It's uh, it's 1982, in fact. There was a man named Michael Fagan who was found inside Buckingham Palace. And like the boy Jones, the visits happened on more than one occasion. Uh, he roamed rooms that were used by Princess Diana as well as the Queen. He looked around the palace Allegedly, uh, he sat on the throne for a bit. Uh, I think if you break into Buckingham Palace, though, it's like, <laughs> aren't you aren't you committed to sitting on the throne? <laughs> like, like, I'm already in too deep. I may I, as well try right? this thing out. I mean, you know, these days, it's a selfie on the throne, but yeah, not then. But in 1982... Breaking into Buckingham Palace was actually a civil rather than a criminal offense. So... He was actually charged with something rather hilarious rather than being in the palace. He was charged with the theft of a snack of cheese and crackers and the wine he had drunk while he was in the palace. <laughs> Which I love. He's like, how much for a square of cheese? Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> So, Holly, speaking of drinking at the palace. Yes. I hear you have some drinks for us so that we won't be drinking at the palace. <laughs> no. You're, wherever you are is the palace. Um. <laughs> yes, let's think of it this it way. It is time for the chaser. So, one of the things I wanted to do since we were talking about the Victorian era, one of my very favorites, was actually to look up and make a cocktail from that era. And so what I ended up finding was the cocktail, which was a drink that was written down in 1833. Let me tell you a thing about this. I read this and I said, this is going to be foul. <laughs> and I'll tell you what actually happened. So it's a really simple recipe. I mean, you can see that this is like where it starts, where people start mixing things. <laughs> this recipe is a teaspoon of fine sugar or simple syrup. Two ounces of rye whiskey, rum, gin, or brandy, your choice. I went with brandy for mine. Three ounces of water. Four dashes of bitters. You mix all that together, and then you sprinkle it with nutmeg on top. I was like, this is just watered-down booze. Gross. <laughs> put some sugar in it. <laughs> it's watered-down booze that you've dressed up. You watered it down, and you put some pants on it, right? Like, <laughs> but here's the thing. I actually thought it was delightful. Was it? Um, yeah. I mean, I I really, I expected to be like, <laughs> that's the yeah. sound of me drinking watered down booze and being chagrined about it. But in fact, just that little bit of syrup and nutmeg, like you could see where someone was like, I want to make someone a drink that they can actually drink instead of just chugging straight alcohol. I will water it down, but then we have to add some other things to make it a little fancier. And you know what? Right. It was just fine. I would make it again. 
Excellent. Is it going to become my go-to? It is not. Yeah. <laughs> but because I was doing that one, I also had this moment as I was making that one where I was like, I have missed my opportunity. I want to make another drink. <laughs> really, though, this is inspired by the boy jones and it's not a real recipe though it is a diy it's like a mad lib of a recipe it's so simple i love when you do choose your own adventure beverages <laughs> like it's my favorite thing when you're like this this or this and i'm like <laughs> choose now i gotta make adventure. all those versions yeah, um, must try them all <laughs> this is really like so simple and basic that it is like a good way for people who haven't experimented much with making cocktails to start playing a little bit in a really easy, hard to mess up way. It is more of a category of cocktails that I call, in honor of Boy Jones, mostly harmless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't I can't recall the quote from the from the trial. <laughs> <laughs> like he, no, there's no felonious activity going on. Here. <laughs> no, it's mostly harmless. Five ounces of any mixer, so a juice if you want it, a soda if you prefer it, and just one ounce of a liqueur that seems like a good match. I made one that was uh, orange juice with triple sec, so an orange liqueur, and it kind of is a little, just a very orangey drink. It's not heavy. You're not going to be like stumbling a drunk by any means. <laughs> I mean, you can do at that point like. A pineapple juice and a vanilla liqueur. You can do a uh, lime juice and a rose liqueur. You can also do something like a, a lemon lime soda, like a Seven Up or a Sprite, and then put something like a violet liqueur in there, and it's really, oh my God. really pretty, and it makes it like it feels a little fancy, but it's also mostly harmless. So that, that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And I specify liqueur because for the most part, it is not 100% true to say this, but most liqueurs are a little bit lower in alcohol content than a than other spirits, than a liquor. Not always. There are exceptions to that rule. But it also just like it's the softest. If you mess it up, it's no big deal. It's mostly harmless. <laughs> Have you tried this drink using any sort of pumpkin spice flavored anything yet? Sort of. <laughs> I found it is called pumpkin spice sipping cream. It's basically okay. a cream liqueur that's that has pumpkin flavor in it. They also do a, a butter pecan one that's amazing. Those are great in a little bit of coffee. <laughs> oh, right. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And it is like a nice, especially as we are currently in the Northern Hemisphere, at least in winter. So it's a nice little warm up to just put a dash. You don't need much liqueur in there. Great little warm coffee nummies. Mostly harmless. Mostly harmless. Don't drink a million. It stops being harmless, but... Mostly harmless, just like the Boy Jones. It's like the starter kit to make you think about how to create cocktails that you might enjoy. I think that's great. I think a lot of people might want to, you know, do the uh, kitchen science experiments like we do, but <laughs> um, but aren't necessarily, especially because you inspire them to do that, but aren't necessarily sure where to try because they've never done that before. I'm a big fan of, like, pick a liqueur that you really like and then play with it with a bunch of different mixers and see what works and what doesn't. Thank you again. Now I'm just going to go make myself a cocktail. Uh, we can just <laughs> sit here and talk about chasers all day long. All day long, baby. <laughs> but instead, what we will do is let you go about your business. And thank you so much for joining us here in Criminalia, where Maria and I love to talk about not just the chasers, but also <laughs> all of these strange criminals. We will see you back here next week. 
Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.